We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. The Vale Podcast, driven by pioneer Ford Robinvale. It's worth the drive. A couple of weeks ago, before we went back to stage three restrictions, a young woman contacted the podcast wanting to have a conversation about the Black Lives Matter movement. She's a young Aboriginal woman, a Wiradjuri woman, Ebony Urquhart Singh, and she's been having a few conversations about it with people over the past weeks and months and thought using this platform would be a good way to have a bigger voice. And that's exactly what this podcast is about giving all sections of the community a voice and allowing other sections of the community a chance to be educated and to listen to different points of view. You may not always agree, but everyone is entitled to an opinion and no one should be chastised for the way they feel. We're all entitled to feel the way that we do, at the very least. This turned out to be a very long conversation about many topics and it's conversations like these that do lead to education and I'm so grateful that I get to talk to people like Mari, Sherl and Ebony and I can ask some hard questions. I feel like there's an element of trust that comes with that and it's truly appreciated. The chat was so long that we've divided it into two parts and you'll get the second one next week. But for now, we shall start at the beginning with an introduction. Hi, my name's Mari Murray. I'm a Nari Nari elder from Barranal but lived in Robinvale most of my life since I was 10, 9. All my children were born here. So thanks for the invitation. My name is Shirley Handy and um, I'm a local Aboriginal woman in Robin Vale. My father used to work on the sawmill when it was operating for over 20 years in Robin Vale as um, another Aboriginal man used to, Salwyn Briggs used to work there as well and um, I'm happy to be here. My name is Ebony Urquhart Singh as Jade mentioned earlier. Um, I'm really happy to be here today and um, sort of give my point of view. I am 23 years old and I'm from the Wiradjuri tribe. So, yeah, thanks for having me today. and I'm really excited to get this conversation started. It's a really important conversation with regard to everything that's been happening, but I, I think we're at a really important time in history where people are craving a bit of education now. And Ali Kappa said a couple of weeks ago when we had the virtual NADOC march down at the river, it's time for everyone to just go, yeah, you know what? Crappy things happened and there was a stolen generation and this is a really awful part of our history and have that conversation without a but. It's time to really start to work towards reconciliation. I think the first part of that is through education and just sitting around and having a yarn and talking about things. Yeah, so totally thanks for agree. coming. Exactly. We did have some interesting conversations <laughs> before the microphone went on and we won't we don't need to re- revisit those. No. But Eb, tell us why uh, you thought to contact me to come on and tell your story. I just thought people need to be educated before they speak on the subject. Um, on what people- subject? On the Black Lives Matter movement in general. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people have this perception that it's Americanized, but it's not. Mm. It's a movement for equality all around the world. And yes, it needs to happen in Australia and it needs to happen now. It's needed to happen for a very long time. And I think people need to educate themselves. So 20 years down the track, we're not dealing with this same problem with our youth. 
So I'm glad that you want to give your point of view. And we were having a conversation before, but can you give us the burning house analogy? Oh, so (laughs) we have the same analogy. Um, So if your house was on fire, the firefighters would not go to all the houses or your next door neighbour or all the houses in the neighbourhood and just decide to hose that house down as well. They're only going to focus on the one that's on fire. So why are we trying to bring the narrative in that, you know, yes, this happens to other people and I understand that and I feel bad for them. Like, obviously, they're people. But it's just – it blows my mind that people still have this narrative and it's not – like, it's different statistics. Mm. I can't even say that properly. Statistics. The proof is in the pudding and if you take the time to educate yourself, you'd understand what I'm saying when I say that, you know, Mm. saying. Statistics don't lie. Yeah. The deaths in custody – you know, the rate of suicide and early early death within the Aboriginal community, you know, these things, and this, this, this is what we mean by, of course, the firefighters care about your house, but yours is not the one on fire. Mm-hmm. And it's been that level of danger. Just being born, you're already more likely to die before you hit your 60s. You're already more likely to be confronted by the police, particularly in America. And that's where the American thing, I think, comes in. Honey, Murray... Tell us about your um, your history. You said you you grown up in. I grew up Robin. in Robin Vale. Mm-hmm. Four of my children were born here. My eldest child uh, was born in New South Wales in Hay. I had my first son when I was fifteen years old, and I went on and had four more children. <laughs> married the father of those children, mm-hmm. and but my my fa- all my family's in Barrenal. Yeah, okay. Um, I've got relatives here in Robinvale. But the thing that a lot of people don't understand right from the get-go that we have been um, subject to racism Mm. all through the history since Captain Cook landed, what happened to our ancestors? Mm. And it still goes on today. So to me, nothing um, that... Non-Indigenous people can say to me that, get over it. You know, it happened a long time ago. But if they knew the history of what happened right through till today, mm. they wouldn't say get over it if it happened to them and mm. their families. Mm. You know? And this is what grates me the most when you've got people out there, oh, they celebrate um, I am Anzac, they celebrate a lot of other things, but when we go to protest against how we've been treated, they they jump up and down. We have not got the rights to do that. This is according to them. But we have every right. Our mob, our Indigenous people and all across Australia have laid dormant because we are a peaceful race. Mm. You take a look at America and every other country. They've been up in arms for years. But this is the first time in Australia's history that it's happened because we've had that many deaths in custody, we take a look at the young fella out in the Northern Territory mm. that got shot in his home and then dragged out, chucked in a divvy van and died in jail. Mm. Yeah. Where's the justice there? Mm. And I'm, I, you know, I think about things a lot where all these 400 and something deaths in custody since 91, right up till 2020, mm. not one person has been charged with manslaughter or murder. And no wonder our people are up in arms. Mm. Yeah, exactly. There's one policeman in the Northern Territory who's been charged, 
but he's pleading not guilty. Now, how do you think that's going to pan out in court in December of this year? I wouldn't be surprised whether he gets away with it. And then there'll be more marches. I don't know what the circumstances are behind that case, mm. but, you know, you hear the statistics, and again, I don't know what they are off the top of my head, of the percentage of uh, Aboriginal to other races in jail, and it's... It's pretty high. It's pretty high it's outrageous that's what it is mm. yeah like, it shouldn't happen there the systems are there to protect us and keep us all safe mm. but you know there's always that risk with one of our like you know an indig- indigenous person going into jail mm. or being you know seen to by the police mm. there's always that risk there's always that fear behind it because mm. of what's going on what mm. continues to happen mm. So, okay, there's a higher percentage of – and I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I know people will ask. Yeah. Is it a case of because there is a higher percentage of particularly Aboriginal men in the prison system at the moment, what do you think behind that? Do you think it's a case – I've got a couple of questions here. Do you think it's a, ca- a case of, of history and that intergenerational trauma that drives – these men and women, because there's, you know, a lot of a high percentage of Aboriginal women in custody as well, yeah. um, to commit crimes to get them there first off. What's your opinion on that? When you look at the big picture, a lot of things has, has happened um, with the education system. That was a big letdown as well. In what way? You only got to take a look at the system here in Robinvale. Mm. If you couldn't read and write... They didn't have time for those kids. They were put at the back of the class. Mm. But if you grasped that reading and writing, you moved ahead. There was kids put over into high school that couldn't read and write, you know, and my son was one of them and a lot of other Indigenous kids, you know, they just moved along because of their age. They didn't take the time to sit them down and give them the proper education. Just getting through reading and writing would have been a big thing. The elders always say that education is a way to better ourselves, mm. no matter in what situation. We've got a lot of stolen generation kids, you know, that have bettered themselves and um, gone into really good positions. Mm. You hear now, I heard um, a welcome to country at a, or sorry, acknowledgement to country at a meeting the other day, which included acknowledging the stolen gens mm. um, who were making their way back to country. And it was the first time I'd heard that in an acknowledgement. Yeah. I thought that was a, quite a nice touch, to be honest. Yeah. A lot of um, my family has been lost. The only reason why myself and my siblings weren't put into that position was because my stepdad took mm. us from Robinvale and we hitchhiked to South Australia, a whole family of us hitchhiked. How many of you? There was oh, about seven of us plus yeah, right. uh, two grown-ups. Mm. We He took us away from here and we mm. went over to South Australia to live yeah, right. and went to school. We even got as far away as um, the uh, Riverina, not the Riverina, the, the Riverland. Riverland area. We yeah. went right up to the... The Nullarbor Plains. Oh, my gosh. Out there. and we Hitchhiking. Just, yeah, we went, got on the train there in Portugal and we all ended up in a little place called Cook, right on the Nullarbor Plains. And then we came back 
And then um, that's when the mission was actually, Maratanga was established mm. then when we come back. So yep. we were gone a long time. But a lot of my family members were stolen generation. And today um, they haven't been able to get over that um, feeling. Mm. like The trauma. The trauma of it. Mm. I mean, they could say, oh, they're just drunks, they're just drug addicts. Would you do in a situation where you come home from school, your house, your mum's not there and your dad's not there, they've been taken away, your house is locked up and then all of a sudden you've got a, a white man there picking you up and taking you away. Now, you know, right from little tiny tackers, you know, that's, that, that's devastating to a oh. little kid. And growing up in the system, one of my closest um, friends... Um, the whole family was taken from here, from Robin Vale, put into a home in Melbourne. And because she was the eldest of that family, after so many years, they, one after another, sent the, them home to their parents. But they kept her behind. Because if they would have sent her home in between, they said that she would have had to look after her siblings. They judged that family before they even <gasps> made that decision to send their oldest <sighs> sibling home mm. because they judged her, her uh, mum and that as alcoholics, you know, in that family. Yeah. Like how do how would you cope as a mother and then going into the system and having a – most of the time, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the time having a family unit, these kids growing up in a family unit, mm. um, sure it might look a little different to – the white man of the day or yeah. whatever, but growing up in a family unit where kids get what they need, food, water, love and affection. Yeah, and, and without school, love, and they went to school. And they went to school. But without love and affection, history shows, and it doesn't matter what race you are, without love and affection, it really, really affects your development. Mm-hmm. True? Yeah, true? Yeah, exactly. So you take that away and is it any wonder that people of that generation now have massive issues to work through. Yeah, but you got to you got to remember though, when um, back as as from today, like years ago, with the stolen generation, right? And you're talking in terms of Aboriginal people weren't treated as Aboriginal people; they were mm. treated as animals. So to the point where. When this whole issue about Black Lives Matters and the fact that um, George Foreman, whatever his name was, died. George Foreman's the boxer. George Floyd is the... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing was, oh, my God, this... I I couldn't hardly watch the video, right? Mm. And it took me... Like, I missed a whole week of it. Mm. I was somewhere else and I I lost a whole week of it. And um, all this big thing was going on. So out of the blue, I'm sitting up there watching TV and I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, all this time I've been basically wandering around lost and then it takes this guy over in America and he's, you know, by the police. Now, I've been locked up twice. Mm. I've been locked up in a jail cell twice, once in Shepparton Mm. and one here in Robinvale. Lucky... You know, we're local people and at the end of the day, you've got local cops that really, they, they know, they, they think they know your families, but at the end of the day when it comes to domestic violence, mm. they will help you out. Mm. So that <laughs> when, when this guy, you know, I'm sitting there watching this thing and I'm thinking to myself, 
oh my god i've actually got something to live for i really do because yeah. at the end of the day it gave me something that woke me up to the point where i i woke up with a passion to think there might be a, a possibility that our average the, the constitution of australia that we might be treated as humans mm. and the, the the section 32 or whatever it is 26 or whatever number it is <laughs> it's fixed up by it all we get treated like humans mm. and and mm. and equal and i got woken up like i like i I got so I have um, six brothers, right? Mm, mm. One just recently passed away two years ago, so it was you know I'm, I'm sort of laying dormant in the sense that because my mother, all of her brothers and sisters were in the stolen generation, right. and so I'm thinking oh, there has to be some sort of fight to us, and uh, uh, and and the, the fight. And the education and the willingness to survive as Aboriginal people has to start within ourselves. But when I seen that guy and I thought to myself, oh, my God, you know, that could have been me. (laughs) That could have been me. Honest, it could have been me. But at the end of the day, it wasn't. But somewhere at the end of the tunnel, we might be acknowledged and accepted as humans in Australia. Mm, Yeah. That's what I mean. I think that's a really important point that you make, that when you saw the protests, it gave you hope. Yes. And I think that's... It gave me a passion. It, yeah. it gave me a... I'm sort of, you know, I think, oh, my God, how's all the sadness. I mean, I, I've been wandering around all, like, for the last 10 years in sadness. So when this bloke actually passed away, you know, thing like that on TV, and I thought to myself, oh, my God... There's an opportunity here. It woke me up inside, and I thought, "Oh no, I sort of I might just make my way home and start my fight again." Mm. And if that means being locked up again in the jail cell, <laughs> then so be it. <laughs> Shirley, can I ask what you were locked up for? Or is that too? I was locked up because um, I might I might have been drunk and disorderly. <laughs> I was at one of the you know there was a nightclub here. Uh, up the road here or something and um, run by the local family and um, well something anyway I said something Uh, I was me and my some of my friends so he was uh, parked at the front Mm. anyway the coppers are sort of out eyeballing us so my thing is because you know being big tomboy of the year sort of thing that (laughs) I said something and obviously they reversed back up We'll fix her up. We'll put her in the cell. But then they had to deal with my brother. So, you know, there was, oh. you know, that sort of thing at the door. Yeah, gotcha. So I, I didn't stay in there for very long. <laughs> but Shepparton was a different case again. It was a place where at the time um, it, it was starting with the drug cycles and things like that and it wasn't – and we just happened to be in the wrong spot at the wrong time coming from a nightclub as well. So there was a group of my cousins and that and we got locked up for the night. Yeah, it was a bit of a a shock to the old uncle to come and pick us pick us up, you know, and things like that. So, did you avoid nightclubs after that? I was gonna no, say. no, like <laughs> nightclubs are good for you know your soul and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that sentence. No. Nightclubs are good for your soul. Well, they are. They make you you know get up and your heart beat and all that other stuff. <laughs> Things went a little bit off topic here, so we'll have a little break and we'll be back. If you've got a family, 
you're probably as busy at home as you are at work. Which is why it's smart to rely on a Ford SUV to keep your family moving. Like the seven-seat Ford Everest Trent rear-wheel drive for only $55,990 drive away. Plus, get up to three years free scheduled servicing until September 30. So move it and get to your participating Ford dealer now. Recommended price. T's and C's apply. See Ford.com.au for details. Pioneerford.com.au <laughs> And again, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. You hear a lot of people say, yeah, but the Aboriginal community have their co-ops. Yeah, but hang on a minute. The Aboriginal community set up the co-op in the first place. So, And the Aboriginal community get things like the Clontarf Foundation. Well, that goes back to that's making an incredible difference to young Aboriginal males. And you exactly. can see that work here. You can um, see it. Credit yeah. to them. Yeah. Like, they are doing so well. Yeah. And they've done a yeah. magnificent job with our, our youth. They have... Even some of our um, contact boys are non-Indigenous. They've taken them on as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, up there. Yeah, okay. But and, it's, it, and this is this is what I mean. Like the Clontarf, people will say, you know, but they get things like the Clontarf Foundation. But have a look at the history, and there's a reason why Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander boys are so much more likely to disengage from school to you know, go down the path of lawlessness as they're growing mm. up, go down the path of domestic. There's reasons for all of that if you go back generationally. So Clontarf are there to stop the cycle and put them on on the right, on the right yeah. path. And they're doing a, a great job. And this, I suppose that's my argument and my question from here is that when you talk about equality... Equality comes with transparency, so mm. it's got to be both ways. So, yeah. yeah. This is coming from Shirley Handy, who did not want to participate yeah. in this podcast. Well, I only wanted to it. come and look and see you, you guys perform and how this whole She's podcast works. She's doing a good works. job. I'm She's so happy you joined, though. Same. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I came and checked it out. I'm, I'm glad you're I'm, speaking I'm, up there, I made Cheryl. my Monday worthwhile today. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. <laughs> Tell me some more stories. I really enjoy hearing stories of like how you were growing up because I think it's actually, you know what we do need to cover? And this is a question that I had as soon as you guys walked in. And it's it's a confusing situation for people like me. I didn't grow up in Robin, Robinvale. I grew up in Swan Hill. Yeah. And Swan Hill's well recognised as being Wamba Wamba. And I was yeah, having it's a this. It's nice com- place to pass through. <laughs> <laughs> and I do a lot of it. <laughs> oh. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, so when you go to the Vaxel uh, basketball conversation, uh, the basketball tournaments and whatever, mm. the Robin Vale team is the Paningals because it's the totem of the area. Correct or no? No. The Pelicans? The Pelicans. Pelicans. No. Like she might have a Pelican, she might have a dog, but I might have a cat. We all come from different tribes. We all yeah. have our, our totems. We all have our thing. Different. Right. And it's like I said before. Mm. It's not my job to say what? she can't have her pelican and she can't have her dog. It's not my job to do that. And I think we should be fair and equal to everyone, each other, and respect each other when it comes to um, those sorts of things because we've got to live together. Mm. Yeah, exactly. We've got to fight the, uh, the non-Indigenous people, not our own people. But why do you have to fight us? You don't have to fight us. <laughs> Well, well, I suppose, well, no, well, sorry, that's probably the wrong w- word I'd use. Yeah. Maybe argue a point or, or educate. Or educate, educate. yeah. Educate. And that's e- what I'm asking that. for, like educate yeah, me educate. now because yes. when, um, like, Arnie Rose does a lot of Welcome to Countries mm-hmm. and then Ray Kennedy came mm-hmm. and did it. Uh, 
tell me, why are you going, mm-mm? And then Ray came and did another Welcome to Country the other day for us. I haven't seen him for ages. Yeah. What does he look like? He's Is he looking well. any taller? No. He's, <laughs> he's looking well, though. He's looking fit. My thing is with the acknowledgement to country, like um, I'd love to see a lot more elders, you know, for it not to just be a handful. Yeah, same elders do do the same thing all the time. So who should it be? For those of us. Either, like, I think really it should be handed around. Like, I love hearing Honey Rose do acknowledgement to country. It's like this. It's Mm. like this. If you know there's an event that's coming up, you have a right to attend it and if, um, if someone says to you, like so Thelma Chelly says to you, would you like to do Welcome to Country, then do it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And then she'll probably say, I'm not saying this as a bad thing, but it, with um, when people usually do it, mm. they do it because there's, a, there's, a, um, there's money that comes with it, which you're entitled to, but far as I'm concerned, well, you can get the money but you need to be a traditional owner to do it. Mm. But within saying that, like I said, I, I'm prepared to live with anyone and share the, the wealth but at the end of the day, um, I just think it's um, people like the First Nation people, uh, Native Title Services, they have, a, um, they have a, a piece of paper with all the names of the people that they ring up and they... Uh, Say, oh, they'll ring, Honey Rose will be on top of that list. I'll ring her and she'll do the cooking. Then the, uh, what's the name to it? Mm. So you've got to put your name on that list. Yeah. But if you know that there's a, an event that's coming up, put your hand up. Mm. Yeah. I wouldn't wait for anyone to ask me to do it. And I'll put my hand up. That's the thing, I think, because when we're organising events here, particularly events down on the river, and we need someone to do a welcome to country because, in my opinion, you should just, but isn't Annie Rose on the committee or Swan Hill Shire thing? Um, she's on the Wandara Action Committee thing, but not even for as far as council. For example, Luke's 42K mental health fundraiser, for example, or the Almond Blossom Festival or the Ski yeah, Race, yeah, whoever yeah. it is, might uh, want someone to come and do Welcome to Country. I think there's a little bit of um, hesitation about who we should ask, but if you're saying that it should be shared around or that you could ask... Why is there hesitation? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just Why should th- we do all the work? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. You, you yeah, just yeah, said yeah. that, um, you know, why, you, why me sort of thing about yeah. before. Yeah. I mean, really, at the end of the day, you should be coming to um, sitting at the table too, so. That's they, right. There's got to be people that, like, sit on your communities or whatever. Yeah. And really, if they had any compassion or the time and effort, they'd really find out this sort of information. Yeah. And that's what we want to do now. So my question is, when there are events, who's the best person? To do we go to MVAC and find out? It's an honour to do welcome to country, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, it's a, it's a, a formal respect to our ancestors. Yes. So that you know, it's it's just an you know because we're disadvantaged. That's why they offer the money, mm, okay. and we are disadvantaged. Yeah. So those sorts of things, they aren't money. That's true, Cheryl. But I think to me, when you're doing a, a welcome to country, if you're not an elder from here. What you should be saying is a custodian. You're looking after the land. Yeah. You're not the traditional yeah. owners. Mm. And people need to have a good long look at themselves of where they come from. Mm. Yeah. And mm. put that custodian mm. in place because they are not mm. traditional owners. Mm. Even though their children were born here, like I say to my kids, you don't come from here. They were born here though. They were born here. Mm. They're my bloodline. Mm. 
And you're... I'm Nari Nari. I'm Bowranel up to Griffiths, mm. Wiradjuri part of that as mm. well. So if we asked you to do a welcome to country here for an event, you'd do it as a custodian as, of the as land. A custodian of the land. Yeah, okay. Yes. That makes much more sense. And I think that answers that question that yeah. we shouldn't be hesitant to ask Arnie Murray or Arnie Rose or exactly. Arnie Joyce or whoever mm. because we just need someone to do it and have have that just be part of events anyway. And I think we're getting to that point I where so. any event that we held, you need to do a welcome to country. Who, as far as traditional owners go, who are the traditional owners of Robinvale, the country here that we're on? Well, who are the traditional owners? Well, that's debatable. When you've got people saying they are, mm. but where is the proof? Mm. You, you've got to prove that you are a traditional mm. owner. And a lot this, of people and, are related and to this me. this is where mm. First Nation people and Native Title Services are at um, – they are at – Conflict when it comes to these sorts of things because you can be with Native Title Service for thirty or forty years and you'll be still fighting still the same, same old battles. Old battles. Yeah, okay. Exactly. But at the end of the day, oh, I consider myself a traditional owner, and it's because of my mother's side. But it's not that I go around and brag it to everybody. I don't go out of my way to say that I'm a traditional owner. I might say it to someone that might talk mouth off about certain things. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they're black or white. But at the end of the day, I I like to think I've got an invested interest in this country mm. and where I live. Mm. Every indigenous person, in my opinion, have an invested um say yep. and ownership mm. as being custodians of this because there are invested things, and when I talk about investments, on Mari, I talk in terms of going out bush camping yes. and where to, where to things like that. Other people's in, inceptions when it comes about investments are about money, money. and nothing else, no. and it's about power. Mm. And they think by dimi- diminishing an, uh, an Aboriginal family or where they're from, mm. You know, gives them that power, but like I said, we need to get over that 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 thing where we and, and it won't happen overnight. It's not going to happen. Well, what you got? So I just think that um, you know, people like the Kennedys and things like that. And uh, you know, I, I talk to Brendan that all the time, but at the end of the day, he doesn't take my um, traditional ownership to another level. Um, I don't think he even acknowledges the fact that I am a traditional <laughs> owner, but that that's fine. Mm. So when you, know, you say traditional own, owner, that's your your mother's bloodline. So yeah. your mother was Taddy Taddy or Lachie yeah. Lachie, yeah. or how how is it defined? And no, but at the same time, I don't, I, when I'm talking about traditional owner, mm. right? This mm. is this is this. Yep. Right? I'm born. I'm Aboriginal. Yep. My father was a half African American. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And guess what? What? He was related to Alex Haley to follow the out of roots. Really? Yeah, you Stop didn't know it. that, did you, Annie Murray? Sharon, you kept that a secret. Name dropping now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm a powerful woman. No, I you are. You are a very powerful indigenous woman. <laughs> it's the way I was brought up and um, how my family's connected and how we was treated as. Um, like I watched my mother with the with the siblings and things like that, and how they died. You know, I only got two uncles left on my mother's side, and um, those sorts of things. And there was a how many of eight or nine of them, Aunty mm, Mary. Yeah, big family. Yeah, and my my mother was the oldest, mm. 
So, you know, we when it all sort of started kicked in when it came with the, the mm. Robinvale claim and things like that, yeah. that's when we all started getting a bit funny <laughs> and started um, tiptoeing around each other. But yeah, because, yes. It, brought, it, it made us think about it ourselves and as Aboriginal people. Yes. And that's what it did. We mightn't have got anything out of it. We got nothing. We got nothing out of it. We didn't even get... Yeah, we, we didn't get jack shit. Oh, we got a feed out of it, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways... But, uh, yeah, so that's how I feel. Uh, that's what – that's how a uh, traditional thing means to me. It's mm. uh, where my roots are and uh, those sorts of things. I, my ancestors and things like that are, are in closed books. They're, like, tightly knitted and thing. And I don't mm. talk about my family history because I find it personal mm. and it affects me when it comes to um, – when it comes to the uh, stolen generation, it affects mm. me more than anything else. Mm. So I keep my traditional ownership and my uh, my preservation close to my heart. So I don't talk about it much for self preservation yeah. because you know yeah. how it affects you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it does to me. But mm. I'm happy to hear other people's stories. Like I, I'll, I'll sit there and listen to the Kennedys. Just another part of the circle of life. The mm. equation. Sorry. Don't be sorry. Eb, when you talk about traditional ownership and things like that, because it's, it's becoming clear now that everyone's sort of got their own opinion and their own, this is, how, this is how I feel about it. When someone talks about traditional owners, this is how I feel about it. Or you've got a different opinion. Well, yeah. yeah, well, they don't ask me to welcome to country because I always stated that I'm not a traditional owner from it's not my country, so yeah. they don't ask me. Yeah, okay. They don't ask me to do do that because I think um, they need somebody to say traditional owner. Yeah, okay. Where I won't mm. because it's not my country. Because you know that it's not your country. It's not my country here. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Ed? What's your... I very much am the same as Annie Murray, like my point of view on the traditional owner side of things. Mm. Um, I acknowledge that I'm not a traditional owner of this land. I've been brought up here most of my life. Mm. Um and, you know, the stories passed down and things like that. I'm not going to claim to be a traditional owner because I know I'm not. Mm. I'm a Wiradjuri woman mm. and this isn't the country mm. of Wiradjuri. This is Lakshi Lakshi, Taddy Taddy and Wadi Wadi. Where so is Wiradjuri? Is that Queensland? It's New South Wales. New, Northern New South Wales? Yeah. yeah. I think it would just be disrespectful if I claim that. Even though I've lived here most of my life, I think it would be disrespectful to um, claim that you are. Mm. Yeah, to claim that I am. And I think that's where the hesitation um, from... It's a lot of hard work, you know, being Aboriginal. Oh, I, I get that feeling. Yeah. But I I think that's where the hesitation from white man comes from when we're wondering who to, who to ask, whether it's going to be disrespectful mm. if we ask, for example, if we ask Arnie Rose to do it, is that disrespecting somebody else and their family or their – do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can I think un- it, I can we don't understand. want to disrespect, yeah. but you understand yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I can understand where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, and totally. I think that's what I mean. Rather than hesitation, it's a, we don't want to be disrespectful, so – But at the end know. of the day, mm. I think people should be honest, open yeah. and honest with one another. Mm. Yeah. And transparency comes with that. Mm. And if you're not doing the right thing by your own people, then you shouldn't be – Doing those sorts yeah, of things. It upsets a lot of people when they get up there and do Welcome to Country when they they don't say their tribe mm. and a lot of them, I know the Kennedys say Latchy and Tatty and that, but mm. certain other people won't say their oh, really? tribe because they aren't from here. Yeah, yeah. okay. What's 
there shouldn't be any shame in saying that you're a different tribe mm. to even though they've lived here and had their children here. Yeah. You know? But like I said, it's hard work. It's a lot of work to it. It's a it's a lot of work hiding the fact hiding the truth. That's mm. that's a lot of work because you you can tell a lie. What do you want to and people will believe it. Yeah. Why hide the truth though? Because it, when you speak the truth, the truth will come out that you're not from here. You know, you, this is not your country. Mm. And then it looks worse on you for not just being forth, yeah, forthcoming okay. in the first place. Yeah, mm. for not being transparent, like yeah. Shell said. Yeah. yeah. We'll leave it there for this week, but next week we chat to Mari some more about her life growing up. Until then, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Vale Podcast, driven by Pioneer Ford Robin Vale. It's worth the drive. Remember to support our sponsors and shop local. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au.